Well, good morning. Welcome home, both in the room and online. I am uh, I'm pretty excited about this new season that we're heading into. Had some great staff workshops um, a few days ago and just went through a lot of talking amongst ourselves on envisaging and visit and I had this problem before talking about things we want to see but uh, so I'm excited about about all of that we've got obviously got kickoff Sunday as Dee talked about can I can I encourage you join in don't just come along and expect it to be all done for you this is something that we participate we contribute in together and ask yourself the question, what can I do to make next Sunday a better experience for everyone? Not just those coming in that are guests, but for everyone that walks through our door. Whether you've been here a day, met a couple of new people already this morning, or whether you've been here for 60 years or so. We contribute together. We, we serve together, and I want to mention that a bit later on as well. But get registered, get part of what is going on. This year we have been talking about healthy church. And we contribute to something that is healthy and we build health into our church. We're continuing to build healthy people, healthy church community and healthy church organization. But we're also looking, we're beginning conversations at how we can best serve those that so desperately need to know Jesus. They need to know his love, his grace, his forgiveness. They need Jesus and they also need us as the church community. Over the last two weeks or so, we've looked at how can we, how can we better relate to and welcome in our LGBTQ friends and family. We want to look at, over the, the next period of time, how can we better serve our First Nations and Métis community around us? And then also we've begun discussions on how can, we, how can we better serve those that live overseas that still need to hear Jesus? And to that end, we have a, a missions conference that we, the Alliance Churches in Saskatoon, and we're going to gather together, and I'll talk a bit more about that over a period of time, but that's going to be near the end of October, and I'd love for us all to join in with that. Get, I don't know, just get, get something about missions within who we are as a church. One person is happy. <laughs> One person is happy about that. I'm excited about that, and uh, believing that God is going to do something. When you begin to see what God is doing overseas, what God is doing in our own city, then something should rise up within us as well. So, are you ready for the new season? I know, I know kickoff Sunday is really the that's, the, that's the stepping over the line, isn't it? But this Sunday is sort of a, a soft start, so to speak. I know many of us, many people are away at the lake. They are, yes. But we're in church. We are church, and we get to come around the word of God. So why don't you stand with me as we pray together? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we are in your house. Whether we're gathered in the room or whether we're uh, contributing and engaging online, God, I pray that you would speak to every heart 
that wants to hear from you this morning and over the rest of the week when people may listen later. I pray for those that don't know you, that in some way what's been said, what's been how we've welcomed each other, the community that's being built here, God, I pray that our hearts and their hearts will turn towards you even more. In the name of Jesus, amen. Grab your seats. So as a, as a family, we have, we have Amazon Prime, we have Disney Plus, and we have Apple, T, Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus. I'm not quite sure why they have to put Plus after it. It's just, that's it. We've got those things. And uh, as, as so often happens with us, I was scrolling, trying to find out, what do I want to watch? And I couldn't find anything that I wanted to watch. There's probably about, I don't know, without exaggeration, three, four hundred programs that are there, and I still couldn't find anything that I really, really wanted to watch. So much choice. I began to think, shall I get Netflix? No. There's something in there with all that choice. But there is so much choice. Probably too much choice, if we think about it. Yet, with all of those TV programs, I still wanted something different. I remember when we had three channels, and there was so much excitement when we, and this was in the UK, when we, we got Channel 4. Yes! How awesome. And then we realized how rubbish it was. Uh, same with Channel 5 as well. And now we have almost countless numbers of channels, of programs, on-demand TV, and yet we still can't find something that we really want to watch. We have a lot of choice, don't we? We have so much choice, whether it's food on a menu or even the amount of restaurants that we have within our city. We have choice of banks, choice of cafes, choice of cars, choice of schools. That's something that struck us about coming here. We, we were so, so worked up about getting our kids into a, into a school before we arrived in the country. It's like, we've got to get them in. We've got to get them registered. And they're like, no, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. Because in the UK, you have to get registered early. Here, you can go where you want. Like, no, no, no. And then we realized, oh, yes, you can. So much choice. Choices of churches. Choices of supermarkets. The problem with choice is not the choice itself. It's the sacrifice. You see, the more choice... We have the more we have to sacrifice. If I only have to choose between this thing and this thing, it's fairly easy because the sacrifice is one. But if I have 300 things, I have to choose one and I have to sacrifice 299 things. That's a big sacrifice. When we look at a menu, we're not overwhelmed with the choice. We are overwhelmed with the sacrifice. I have to give up all of these to have that one thing. And then when someone else chooses something different and theirs comes, I realize I made the wrong choice. I sacrificed that thing which looks so much better and generally so much bigger than what I chose. How did you cope with lockdown? See, some of us, including myself, enjoyed many aspects of lockdown. More time with family, 
walks in the countryside. Like many people, we got ourselves a dog. I know there were huge downsides, and I don't, I don't want to downplay those. There was the fear of COVID-related sickness or even death, which happened. There was limited access to groceries and to shops, to workplaces. There were financial restrictions for many people. You see, our freedom was restricted, and sometimes with good reasons, but not always. But often it was easier. Did you notice that? In some ways, it was easier because we didn't have the choice. We couldn't go all over the place. We couldn't choose everything on the menu. We didn't have restaurants that we could choose. There was maybe one thing, and we had to have that. Have you noticed how people are looking for freedom? We are looking for freedom. Across the decades, it hasn't changed. It's just sort of thinking about what freedoms have we fought for or, or stood for across the decades. In my parents' t- lifetime, in the 40s, there was freedom. We fought for freedom from the tyranny of world domination. In the 50s, there was freedom from the rationing and scarcity of the 40s. In the 60s, there was freedom from the sexual morals and constraints. The 70s, there was freedom from social and musical norms and blandness with the advent of punk and anti-establishment music. In the 80s, there was freedom from social and financial responsibilities. The 90s, we had freedom from constraints of absolutes and objective truth. In the 2000s, there was freedom from religious boundaries. And more lately, 2020s, we've had Freedom from gender norms. See, when we think about it, there's always been a rebellion of one generation against the constraints of the previous generations. And in today's world, have you ever heard the phrase, or something like this, that's my truth. That may be your truth, but it's not mine. And people want to be free of many things, but we're now freeing ourselves from the constraints of truth so that we have reinvented the meaning of truth, the meaning of the word truth from an objective reality to a subjective feeling. Again, it's not the problem of choice, it's the problem of sacrifice. Why should I give up All of this for that one thing. Let's just call it all truth. You can have your truth. You can have your truth. We should split people into groups, shouldn't we? This truth, that truth, the other truth, that one. And we could just have all our truth. And we keep it all because we don't want to sacrifice anything. In our postmodern world... People want to define their own truth. But in reality, we're all still looking for it. I want more choice. I want more of it to be true. I don't want either or. I want and. We ask, 
What is truth? What's your truth? What's your truth? What's your truth? What's your truth? And we think maybe that that's, that's, just, that's just today's day and age. But we want more choice of truth. In the words of Queen Freddie Mercury, not Her Majesty Elizabeth II, I want it all and I want it now. You see, it was the same problem in Jesus' time. What is truth? John 8 31 to 36 says this to the Jews who had believed him Jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples there's a choice it's a simple choice isn't it hold to my teaching or not he didn't give them lots of choices he said hold to my teaching or not and if you hold to my teaching then you're my disciples. If you don't, then you're not. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, anyone, any, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We're searching for freedom, but we're rejecting truth. Or we're we're trying to embrace everything into truth, and then we have nothing because we have no, no truth, no freedom. There is a choice that we make, and when we accept truth, And the sacrifice, then we accept the lies. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 18, a bit further on, in the, in the context of the crucifixion account, Jesus is speaking, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, he's speaking to, to Pilate, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Simple choice again. Jesus often gave people simple choices. He didn't give people the whole menu. He said this or this. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? The question has echoed through the centuries. What is truth? Now we've come to a place where everything is truth because if it's true for you, it may not be true for me, but it's still true. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, when we think about this, Jesus was truth and he spoke truth, but essentially it didn't lead to his freedom. So what's going on here? 
He, he spoke truth, he was truth and is truth, yet he was carted away and crucified. In the words of Pilate, what is truth? When you think about that, it's funny how Pilate's job was a judge and a judge's job or role is to find out truth. Yet he didn't even know what truth was himself. He didn't wait to hear an answer. He didn't want truth. He wanted an easy way out. John Iberg said, truth hurts, not the searching after, but the running from. How often do we run from truth? So we come back to the same question with the same truth, with the same response. What is truth? You can have your truth from your perspective, and I can have my truth from my perspective. We want to know what truth is, but we don't want to be told what it is. Another quote here, Rob Ringer said, People say they love the truth, but in reality, they want to believe that which they love is truth. If I love something, I don't want to give it up, so I'm going to call it my truth. Jesus, again, is making choices, simple this or that. Truth should transcend cultural, economic, racial, and sociological divides. Freedom can't be determined by our birth because truth is not determined by our birth. Which means that freedom cannot be determined by our ethnicity, gender, economic and political circumstances, or even, may I say, a convoy. Jesus, the truth, is not a white, western, conservative, middle-class perspective. We don't know what truth is. How can we have freedom? It doesn't come with a Scottish soldier painted in blue shouting, Freedom! William Wallace. Going to pick a fight. See, the problem is, We're trying to fire the cannon of freedom from the canoe of relative truth. And when we do that, both the canoe and the cannon sink. Freedom only comes from knowing the truth. Truth is not a propositional statement. Two plus two equals four. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He didn't say, I know the truth. He said, I am the truth. And there is a choice. There is freedom and there is slavery. There is freedom in Jesus and slavery from sin. It's gone very quiet out there. Slavery comes from sin. But then we ask ourselves, what's what's sin? What does that mean? It's a dirty word nowadays. We've here's the problem. In church, as Christians, we've defined sin as what the other person is doing worse than me. 
Yes, there are lists of sins in the Bible, but the Bible also talks about sin. Not the lists of things that we can, we can categorize and say, well, I'm not really sinning if I'm doing that because that is much worse than me. Sin is missing God's standard. I want you to think about it this way. What's speeding? As in going above the speed limit, breaking the law. If the speed limit is 110 on the freeway and you're doing 160, you can say, yeah, that's it's breaking the speed limit. I'm breaking the law. What if you're doing 111? Well, that's, I mean, that's too close. It's, it's, you know, you can't really catch me for doing that. It's too close. I mean, give me a bit of leeway. It's still breaking the speed limit. You either are abiding by the speed limit or you're breaking the speed limit. Now, yes, there's leeway. When it comes to being caught, there is leeway. There is, there's things given, but you are given leeway. Excuse me, you are given leeway because you're breaking the speed limit. You're not given leeway if you're doing 109. That's staying within the law. Sin is the same. But that's a big sin. No, no. The consequences may be bigger for that than this one that I'm committing, but they are both sin. Sin is missing God's standard. We are all living in sin. And the problem is when you, do you use that phrase here for unmarried couples living together? Living in sin? No? You do? Okay. You can answer me. It's okay. I'm not going to charge you more if you say yes or no. Living in sin, it's a phrase we use. How unfortunate that we've, that we've confined it to our sexual morals. Have you noticed that? Living in sin. Well, what about greed? What about gluttony? Are we living in sin? No, no. We've just defined it to this small area of our lives. See, sin is sin. Romans 3, 23 tells us, makes a statement. We have all sinned. All have sinned and fallen short. See, we're all in the same boat. We all are living in sin. Therefore, we are all slaves. Slaves need freedom. And many people have the choice of freedom from slavery, but we don't want to make the sacrifice. Now, Christianity isn't about giving up. It is about what you give, what you, what you receive. But if I'm holding a whole heap of things, if I'm holding a pile of bricks, and I want to take hold of a plate of poutine, because I love poutine, I have a choice. I have a choice of letting go of this pile of bricks to take hold of this bowl of sweet. Beautiful, delicious poutine. <laughs> I can't hold on to both, but we want to do both. 
I, I, want, I want freedom, yet I still want this as well. We don't want to sacrifice, but truth and freedom are bound up in the person of Jesus. It tells us that, that freedom comes from being in a family. <coughs> Excuse me. Slaves are not in the family, but the children of truth belong. You know, one of the big problems that we have, we've got really bad branding as Christians. Have you noticed that? We've got a really bad logo. Now, we've sanitized it, and we, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a cross or a brooch around your neck or anything like that. But how many religions would have an electric chair or a needle or a noose as their brand? It doesn't look good. It's not a good brand. But the cross is the brand that we have. The cross is the place of freedom. It doesn't seem like it because Jesus went there. He talked about truth. He talked about freedom. And then he was led to his death. Are you still out there, church? See, the cross is our logo. I'm from an era where Delirious was one of the big Christian bands. And they wrote this simple song. This is the message of the cross, that we can be free to live in victory and turn from sin. The message of the cross is freedom. And we have a choice, freedom or slavery to sin. You see, at the cross, everything changed. The cross is the center point of humanity. Why is it so central? Because God is completely just, and justice must be served, or God is denying his character. The cross was the price. The message of the cross is that we can be free. Not, not free to decide that we can have it all, and we can have it now. We can have our truth, and we can have your truth, and their truth, and his truth, and her truth, but we can live in, with truth and be in freedom. See, freedom is it's never free. Freedom always comes at a cost. Ask those that fought for freedom. The cost of freedom in terms of our where we are as followers of Christ was that justice must be served. Ask William Wilberforce, ask Emmeline Pankhurst, ask Nelson Mandela, ask Martin Luther King. You see, they paid for freedom. There is always a cost. And Jesus paid for our freedom, for giving us the simple choice, this or this. Freedom in Christ, slavery to sin. He paid for our freedom, not for your truth and her truth and his truth, but for our freedom with his life. Galatians 5, and this really is where I want to just get you to think about it. Galatians 5 verse 1 says this, It was or it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You ever thought about that statement itself? 
Just that first sentence, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. What a dumb sentence. I, I, I don't mean to be heretical and diss the Bible here. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. What on earth does that mean? Of course, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So there's got to be something else that we haven't necessarily thought about. It's obvious. You see, we are set free to live free. The problem is, is that too many people have been set free. But we're continuing to live in a prison cell with the door open. We have the choice to walk out but stay inside the cell. The freedom that we have is that the liability, the cost, the payment, the debt that we have has been paid for by someone else. Our complete debt. If you think about slaves, slavery, uh, sorry, slaves, freedom being bought by someone else and set into freedom, but then going back to that place of slavery. That's what we so often do as followers of Christ. But the debt has been paid. The liability has been paid. But it's been paid for by someone else. So why do we still live as if we we're in debt? We've been set free. Prisons that we live in with open doors are bound by feelings of guilt. See, freedom is not a feeling here when we think about it. It's a legal term. You have been set free from the penalty of sin, the liability of sin. Yet we're still sat in that cell I wish I could be free. The door is open. At the cross, everything changed. Romans tells us that there's no condemnation. That's not the feeling of shame or guilt. That's, again, it's a, a legal and a financial term that we're looking at here. There's no penalty. You're not being called to account anymore. You're in prison and, and you've, the door has been set free. You've been released. The penalty has been paid. Yet we're living still in the cell of guilt. But condemnation is gone. We live with the shame of maybe what's been done to us or what, has, or what we have done. And Jesus is saying, I've paid the price. I've set you free. There is freedom. The message of the cross is that our debt has been paid. It was for liberty that Christ has released us from liability. It's the same verse, just slightly differently phrased. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No, think of it this way. It was for liberty that Christ has released us from Liability. We're called to live in freedom. The cross has dealt with the power of sin and our old life. Justice has been served and the debt has been paid. At the cross, everything changed. The cross and the resurrection 
is the time death was beaten, sin was forgiven, the slate wiped clean, captives freed, relationship restored, victory taken, despair broken, sickness overcome, freedom given, the weak made strong, destiny confirmed. At the cross, everything changed. You see, I'm more excited than you are. And I've read this quite a few times. Some of you are listening to this for the first time and still trying to get it in. Can I say again, at the cross, everything changed. There should be an excitement. There should be, yes, I've been released from prison. Maybe you're outside and everything is awesome, but maybe for you, you're still living as if you're in liability. Galatians 4, if you read that chapter, tells us that we're actually children of the free woman, not of the slave woman, talking back to Sarah and Hagar. At the cross, everything changed. See, freedom is what Jesus, the truth, came to give us. He came to give us liberty. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. I'm not going to read it, but it talks about where the Spirit is. There is freedom. And that's something I'm going to look at when we go in depth into the things of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, let me read this again. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again. We can go back in prison. The door has been opened, but we choose to live in the place of liability where Jesus is saying, no, no, it's been, it's been paid. It's gone Yet you are choosing to live in that place constricted. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It was for liberty that Christ has made us exempt from liability. At the cross, everything changed. It is God's will that you enjoy the freedom that has been bought for you. But we choose sometimes to submit ourselves to slavery again. How do we do that? By trying to make God love us more. Do you know there is nothing you can do to make God love you more and nothing you can do to make God love you less? But what about, no, no. God so loved the world that he gave. We choose freedom or slavery God loves us. He wants us to live in freedom. What are we doing to try and make God love us more? To try and pay that debt off. Maybe it's attending church. If I just keep going to church, then maybe God will love me more. Or maybe I'll pay off some of that debt. No, no, no. The door is open. We step out. The debt has been paid. And now we're part of a community because we want to be. Not because we're paying a debt off. We tithe because we want to. Not because we're trying to pay God or bribe God. We pay, we give because we see what God is doing within the life of the church. And we give because we love. Maybe for some of you it's, I'm not going to drink alcohol. I like a good beer. There, I've said it. I like gravy. In, uh, sorry, I like wine in gravy. Can't understand those of you that drink wine. Don't get it. It all tastes like vinegar to me. 
try and bribe God. If I don't drink alcohol for February, will you love me just a bit more? And will you release me from the debt? No, no, God's saying, the door is open. I was going to say, drink all you want. But no, the Bible also says, don't be drunk with wine or beer or whiskey. I need to get back on track. You guys are diverting me all over the place. We're not serving in church to make God love us more. We're serving because we love each other and because we love him. We're not trying to repay the debt. We're serving because we become more and more like Jesus. And Philippians tells us that Jesus took on the nature of a servant. He became a servant. He did what servants do. And as we become more like him, we serve. God's freedom is not a debt that we have to repay for the rest of our lives. Our relationship to God is not through a debt management system to him. Have you ever bought... Have you ever, has someone ever bought you a Christmas present and you thought, oh, no, I haven't got one for them. I'm going to rush out and buy one. Anyone done that? One or two of you. The rest of you, I think, are probably lying. But it's almost like buying a Christmas present, it places you in debt to that person. Sheldon in uh, Big Bang Theory explained it really well. Don't buy me a Christmas present because then I'm in debt to you. No, no. We buy each other Christmas presents because we want to give something. Not because we're in debt. Stop living in the place of liability. When the cross at its center has freed us from debt, everything changes. What are you? What am I? What are we allowing to keep us captive? I want to read Isaiah 6 and... I've still got so much more I want to talk about, but to help me on that, Dale, can you come and start playing? Because that will really get me going. (laughs) Isaiah 61, 1 to 4 says this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ancient, the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You see, there's a, there's a role that Jesus took on to release the captives, to provide, to bring healing, to bring beauty, to bring joy. But then it says, they, that's us, that's you and I. We have a role. When we gain freedom, when we gain joy, when we gain beauty, we now have a role to build, to restore ourselves. The freedom we receive is through grace, and it is free. But you see, our freedom then comes with responsibility, not a debt, a responsibility. Can we do for others what Jesus has done for us? 
Can we introduce people to Jesus? Those who are in captivity are called to bring freedom and build walls. If we know and follow Jesus, we're free. We know the truth, not a propositional statement, but the person of Jesus. We have sacrificed the life of slavery to sin and have chosen life. We walk out of prison doors. The problem is not the choice. The problem is the sacrifice. We can't embrace all truth. We have to embrace Jesus, the truth. This is the message of the cross. That we can be free to live in victory and turn from our sin. Imagine living a life where we sacrifice a lie for knowing the truth, for knowing Jesus. A life of freedom because the truth will set us free. Not a statement of truth, but the person of truth. Jesus sets us free. A life of liberty. It was for freedom. It was for liberty that Christ has released us from liability. At the cross, everything changed. This This is the message of the cross, not the message of William Wallace. It is the message of the cross. Know the truth, and the truth will bring freedom. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray for those people that in this moment have a simple choice. Freedom in Jesus. Slavery to sin. I pray for those also that are maybe living in the prison of guilt and shame and condemnation when the prison door is already open. Pray, God, that you would walk them out of the prison. You would bestow on them beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, freedom instead of captivity. That they will become the restorer of broken walls, the rebuilder, of destroyed and devastated cities. I just like everyone to keep their heads bowed, eyes closed, whether you're in the room or online. And I want to throw out the challenge. The simple, not the overarching menu, but the simple choice. Freedom or slavery. That's the choice before you. The Old Testament puts it this way: life or death. I want to ask you to step into that place of freedom, of forgiveness, of love, of grace. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus before, but you know today. This is my day. This is my day when I choose freedom, when I choose truth, when I choose life. With every head bowed, every eye closed in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. Let's just put your hand in the air. Whether you're in the room or online. If you're online, you can just hit the raise my hand button or even just say to someone online, one of the hosts, that's me. This is what I'm doing. Or maybe you're here in this room again online and you're like the prodigal. You've gone away. You were part of the family, but you stepped out of relations, stepped into your own. It's time to come home. It's time to come back into family, back into relationship, back to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as well. And the last group, you've grown up in church. You're a young person and 
Your faith relationship with God has always been with your caregivers. But today, you're stepping out of that umbrella and say, God, I want to know you for myself. I want my own relationship with you. And whether you're in any of those three groups, you're saying yes to Jesus, yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his freedom. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to stick your hand in the air. Maybe give me a wave if you're online. Just hit one of the buttons that are there. You're saying yes to Jesus. And then we're going to pray together. Put your hand up high so I can see it. And then we'll pray a simple prayer together. Okay, we're going to pray. I'm going to say some words. And if you've made that decision to follow Jesus, whether it was a hand in the air or just a, I'm doing this in my heart, that's okay. Hopefully these words might help you understand what's going on and articulate what's happening. And at the end of that prayer, we, the church, are going to celebrate the decision you've made. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I accept the challenge of freedom or slavery and I choose freedom. Thank you, God, for the life that you give. And thank you, Jesus, for the life that you gave. And from this moment forward, I choose Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, why don't we celebrate the decisions that people have made?